So, so the laver doesn't have the same protocol. It doesn't have the same prohibitions of touching it. It doesn't have the same structure of making sure you can port it around without touching it. And the altar that is very bloody, also very consuming fire that we looked at last week. This week, I mean, can you imagine a base, a, a finite basin of water? I don't care how big it is with priests always sticking their hands and feet in it after they've been killing stuff and cutting it apart. Not the cleanest thing around. Okay. So the priests, the, the, those who were, who were commissioned with moving the structure of the tabernacle didn't have the same protocol of grabbing and, and protecting the labor. So let's talk a little bit more. The position now, I took this and turned it on its side only because I needed room on the, spa- on the slide. That's literally the only reason. So if the gate is here, we've seen the brazen altar. This is the structure of the tabernacle proper. This is the court. You, the laver was to be placed between the altar and the tent or the tabernacle proper. Okay. So you see that in 47, then thou shalt set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar, okay? And, in, and he shall set the uh, laver between the tent of the can, uh, congregation and the altar. It's referenced twice, okay? So this laver. Now, I have seen some pictures with the laver off to the side. I'm not sure it particularly matters. I'm, I don't know if there was a reason for that, but it needs to be between the tent of the tabernacle and the brazen altar, Okay, needs to be between there. Now, there, this points to something very, very specific in our spiritual journey, not just as a class, but individually. Our, our individual journey as a New Testament believer. We talked last week about the brazen altar, that that's where the sacrifice happens. That's where the atonement for sin happens. The blood was applied there and was applied to the mercy seat, Okay. That is the payment for sins. Let me be very, very clear. That is the picture of salvation for the believer in the New Testament. Okay? No question about that. Do not mix up the laver with baptism and do not mix up the laver with salvation because somebody has to die for your sins. That happened as we make our progression into and through into a, an intimate relationship with God. Okay. So this sacrifice, I think you have on your, you know, like a series of sacrifice for your sins. Then there's a cleansing. And then I use the word access. You have access to God. Okay. Now, and, and, and I don't want to like, like, I just grabbed the word access. Okay. So let's not overanalyze it because I probably could have done a better job, but it's really important that the cleansing happens after our salvation. Now, are we cleansed from our sins by the sacrifice of the Lord? Absolutely, okay? But right now, my sins have been forgiven. I called on the Lord on October 4th, 1988, which means I just celebrated my 25th year, right, earlier this month, if I did my math correct, of being saved. 25-ish years ago, I encountered the brazen altar, okay? 35. 30, 35? No, let's go with 25. <laughs> let's go with 20. 
Can we go with 25? No, you're old. It was 75 years ago. <laughs> 35 years ago, I encountered the brazen altar. I understood that Christ's sacrifice was what I need to cover my sins. But every time I minister in the tabernacle of the congregation, I need to wash my hands and my feet at the brazen labor. Okay? That's a process that's perpetual. Okay? That's not, let me be just very, very clear. Washing at the brazen labor is not the washing away of your sins. It's the cleansing of you so that you can minister, okay? It's the clean, It's that gives you access to God. And I actually argued in my, myself, it's like, it's like people will say the first act of obedience is baptism. And if you don't do that, you can serve the Lord, but it's not like it ought to be. And I would say this is kind of in that same camp. Like you can do stuff for the Lord, but it's not like it ought to be. Your hands and your feet need to be clean. They need to be clean. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 puts it this way. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, not by a sacrifice. He, that happens earlier, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. A subsequent thing is that he's going to cleanse the church, Okay. Your sins being forgiven, we often refer to as being cleansed, and I'm not sure that's wrong. But within this context, that's not what we're talking about. If you walk past the brazen altar and you don't deal with the salvation component and you just try to deal with your your sins at the brazen laver by washing your hands and feet and walk into a holy God, you're going to die. That's what would happen to the priests, okay? You have to have the sacrifice. You can't skip that part. Put another way, in John 3, or I'm sorry, John 13, 9 through, 9 through 11, Simon Peter saith unto him, remember Jesus is washing feet, and he said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed, and that, uh, or that um, Greek word is bathed, cleansed, needeth not save to wash or like wash like your hands, his feet. So if you, if, like, like if I took a shower this morning, right? Woo, good, good job. But I've also washed my hands like four times. I don't know, five times, 10 times. I don't know how many times I washed my hands this morning, right? So I was washed, bathed, but I also needed to wash my hands, okay? And Jesus is making a point that you've been cleansed or I'll do it this way. You've been cleansed with your sins being forgiven by being saved, but you still need to wash, okay? Put another way, Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, hanging or having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Notice this, our bodies washed with pure water. And even in John 1, 9, this, this verse that we often use and tie to salvation, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, guess what? When I bowed my head and accepted Christ as my savior and that exchange of my sin and his righteousness occurred on October 4th, 1988, 35 plus years ago, because I know math, 
Um, when that happened, my sins were paid for, but I still have to confess them. Now, I still got to get them out. Like, am I going to be lost? Am I going to spend eternity in hell if I don't? No. They were paid for. But I need to confess them to get them off of me. Okay? I need to be cleansed. And I know this, is, this might be challenging a little bit of the status quo, but because, because some of these verses, uh, we use them for salvation and they, they work. They work for salvation, especially for somebody that, that doesn't doctrinally understand the difference. But the cleansing process is not the same as the, the propitiation process, the exchange of sin and righteousness. Those are two different things, okay? There are two different things in the tabernacle, or at least in the court. So the first is you don't need to be clean to have your sins forgiven, Okay, so let me just be very clear. This is where people get messed up because they think if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Well, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you call out on the name of the Lord to be saved. You don't have, like this is, that's how people get messed up with their doctrine and they can lose their salvation, which can't really happen because they failed to confess something. Well, I mean, folks, if I had to confess my sins to maintain my salvation, I would mess it up. I'd probably mess it up right now. We'd have to do it all the time. We'd have to literally do it all the time. I mean, I just looked out at one of you and thought you were ugly. I just would have to confess that. But it's the truth. But it's the truth. It's the truth, but it wasn't in a pure heart, right? So... But you see the point, like if you had to confess your sin every time to maintain your salvation, you would surely fail. Absolutely. You would surely fail. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from those things that we confess and we get rid of them. It's awesome. Okay. So you don't need to be clean to have your sins forgiven. Don't feel like, and this is really as much of a ministry application as it is a personal application, when you're ministering to people and they say, I just can't get saved right now. I got to get some things straightened out. No, no, no. <laughs> you have it backward. It's the other way around. You get saved and things will start straightening themselves out. Like you, this Holy Spirit can then work in your life in a way that you, you're not allowing it right now. Like you don't need to sweep that house clean because seven more demons are coming in. Like I've had people tell me, I just need to quit smoking before I can get saved. No, <laughs> like, no, that's not it. I just need to make it right with my parents before I get saved. No, please, please. That's, you're, that's not gonna, you're gonna, you're getting it backward. Don't go to the laver first. You've got to start with the altar. Now, the interesting thing is the priests themselves, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I feel led to do this. The priests had to do that. They actually had to walk around the altar to wash before they sacrificed. But that was their ministry. That was their ministry, not the time that the sacrifice was applied to them. Okay, so you all 
need to wash your hands. The believers in this room, you need to wash your hands and feet before you go out on evangelism. You need to wash your hands and feet tonight when we're ministering to JC and Josh. You need to wash your feet before you go in and, and teach in Kidtown. You need to wash your hands and feet before you work in the altar. You need to wash your hands and feet before you disciple. You need to wash your hands and feet before you go to the jail ministry. You need to wash your hands and feet before you teach in LFBI. It's imperative that we're cleansed before we minister. The stakes were high for the priests. If they didn't, they would die. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not missing a hand washing if that was the stakes. You don't need to be clean to have your sins forgiven. You need it to be cleaned to minister. So the provisioning, you say, well, this, is, this, is, this may be the most straightforward and probably so simple that I don't even need to include it. They had to put water in the laver. Bam. Tweet that out as a spiritual lesson, right? Do you still tweet things now or do you X them? You X them? I still call it tweet. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there was some bad dis- discussion. You X it? You X it, which would be to leave, right? Um, Thou shalt set the laver between the tender of the congregation and the altar and shall put water therein. Okay, I can do that. And and they're they're with all to to wash, you know, like like it's pretty straightforward. You got to have water. What is water pictured uh, or what's pictured as water in the Bible? Well, Jesus for sure, but the Word of God specifically does that work in our life, right? That specifically does that work in our life. The water of the Word. Notice here in Exodus 30, and, and so the washing of the hands and, hands and feet, which, okay, quick sidebar. So Teresa just said Jesus, right? So Sam has always said, if you don't know the fill in the blank, if they ask a question, the answer is always. But it's not. Sometimes he throws a curveball, and it's something like flesh or sin or whatever. And I'm like, you know, what makes you do wrong? Jesus, no, your flesh. Like, are you with me? At least are you tracking? So this morning, was anybody else in here in the pre-service meeting? I don't think so. We're in the pre-service meeting. So Sam asked a question. I don't know if he's going to do it. But I said, well, sometimes the answer isn't always Jesus. And they quoted me, and that's going to be on things now, that Pastor Mitch says the answer isn't always Jesus. So if you're here, somebody say that, Pastor Mitch says the answer isn't always Jesus. I mean, it is, but it isn't, okay? And so I, thank you, because I said, I said to Sam's fill in the blank. See, that's how bad doctrine starts right there is you manipulate situations. So if you hear some strange words about your pastor, just, just thank you, thank you. All right, so notice when they washed, I've touched on this, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat, when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, they got to wash their hands. When they went into the tent of the congregation and when they came near unto the altar. So it was really important. I mean, check this out. The, the picture is really beautiful. As dirty and as, not dirty, as messy as it was to apply the blood to the altar the horns. 
into the side of it and to pour it out and work with those basins, as dirty as it was, those hands had to be washed before they could handle the blood. Your hands need to be washed before you can handle the ministry of the word of God and salvation to other people. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. You must be clean to serve. Psalm 26, 6, I will wash my hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Like, I'm literally getting a little chills down my spine. I had never seen that before, having read that psalm countless times and thought about it, but I never put it in the context of the tabernacle. I'm going to walk around the altar and I'm going to wash my hands in innocency. Then I can serve. Then I'm going to be able to serve. It's beautiful. Isaiah 116, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before me or from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Is this an issue of salvation? No. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your skins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We use that in the context of leading someone to the Lord. And I'm not suggesting that you don't. Like, I'm not, but that's not, the, the Lord isn't saying wash you because that's how you get saved. He's saying wash you because you've got ministry to do, Israel. You've got ministry to do, and you've allowed these other evil doings into your life. And by these evil doings, you've corrupted that which could have been better ministry. First Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Like you're already purified. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Like you need to be purified to serve. You need to be cleansed to serve. I got a quote from J. Vernon McGee. This cleansing by the word is for the child of God. It's for the child of God. The sinner is shut out from earning favor by doing something and is forced to come face to face with just one thing, the cross of Christ. Scripture has no word of exhortation or injunction for a lost sinner, but to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The work of the cleansing is confined to believers and the word corrects their lives. The laver stood between the altar or cross and the holy place, place of service. Cleansing by the word is for the sinner who has come to the cross and who desires to serve and walk in light, well-pleasing to his Lord. You need to not take cleanse. Look, if you have accepted Christ as your savior, hallelujah, I am thrilled. But there are a lot of people, a lot of people who have done that and are completely unfit to serve. They're saved, but they're completely unfit because they haven't been cleansed. Okay. I am not throwing some doctrinal curveball at you today. Okay. This is about making sure that you get your heart prepared, the practical application of this is you get your heart prepared for ministry. If I came, Tuesday was a rough day for me. 
at work. I had a rough day at work on Tuesday. I was frustrated coming here. My wife was just incessantly nagging. No, I'm just kidding. She never. <laughs> she's all. She's back there. Her eyes are like this. She was very supportive in my grumpiness. Okay. She was very not supportive of my grumpiness, but supportive in my grumpiness. Let me just be clear. I was having a rough day. I got here and people loved on me in a way that caused all of that to kind of clear. But if I had to have preached on Tuesday night, like it would have been an issue. Like I can't, I guarantee you, Sam doesn't walk up with a weight of sin and baggage. Is he pure or completely purified? Has he confessed every sin? No. But you can't, I can't stand in this place having this morning thought, I hate those people in whole heart. No, I can't. No, I said I can't. Let me, let, me, let me be very clear, though. There are pastors who stand in their pulpit that are looking for an out, and they don't like their congregation. They're called hirelings in Scripture. It's a real thing. They're getting a paycheck. They're biding their time, waiting for a better gig, and they're not clean. They're not clean before their people before their God. So the second building lesson, serving the Lord requires clean hands and feet. I've already said it several times, I think. Serving the Lord requires clean hands and feet. So it's interesting. So here comes, here comes the hook. Here comes the hook of the lesson today. Why was it important that the labor was made of the purest bronze, even though it was so dirty? Why was it made of the purest bronze or copper that were made of looking glasses? Because they had to look, the priests had to look at themselves every time they went to wash their hands and feet. Now, this is not a great picture. It's the best one I could find. But this is a basin with still water in it. Okay. Now, they had to do it across because if you took a picture of yourself, of your reflection, you'd see the camera, right? But every time they walked up to wash, what would they see themselves? And they had to take stock of who they were. They had to take stock of their relationship with the Lord and they needed to deal with it right then. James is very clear about this in James chapter one. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Every time before the sacrifice was committed, the priest had to walk up and see their reflection in the water, wash, and then go sacrifice and apply the blood, and then go wash and go in the tabernacle and serve, and then wash, and go to the altar and sacrifice, and then wash, and go to the tabernacle and serve. You have to perpetually, being a, uh, a continue, look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. You can't just do it one time. You've got to stay soft. Your heart has to stay soft to the fact that you continue to sin despite being saved, and yes, your sins are paid for at Calvary if you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, but it's going to impact your ministry. 
It's going to impact your ministry negatively if you don't cleanse. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving.